I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the potential people I could be helping each time I have my McDonald's or each time I don't wake up at this time and I do the McDonald's a bit too much. <laughs> it's the why, isn't it? It's the why. Like I, I didn't do any of that routine until I had a why. Like, you know, I don't eat later because it's now proven to me through data that I sleep better if I don't. So now I know that's a good why. The not eating meat at dinner time means my heart rate is lower at night time, which means my heart rate is lower, which means it has less beats and the information i understand is you have a finite number of beats in your heart so if you can make it do less it's going to last longer i like to start any podcast um because i made the mistake and i've said it on a few episodes now and people are probably tired of me saying it but we had a guy from national capital we spoke for 40 minutes first 10 minutes was about a cockroach game he made and no one knew what we're talking about <laughs> so i think for context yep. uh, what is it that you do yeah, I'm a director at X is Y. It's yeah. a, we're a management consultancy helping companies uh, work better in the digital age. So we like to help um, companies who are of a reasonable size just use their data and they'll change their way of working to use their data to be more purposeful, really, to be more directed rather than on the email hamster wheel of requests come in and I do them and I don't stop and think of is that request actually helping us where we're going or is it just a request that I think I should do so it's just trying to be more purposeful with our time really yeah it's a good call I sort of I don't like doing two things and I find it you know I don't like to complicate things so I just have the Trello board my six priorities and ignore everything else and nice everything comes in and I just respond immediately oh, yeah. to categorize it and then Outsource. That's the one thing that my business partner doesn't enjoy about me. I, I don't respond immediately. I, <laughs> I like to to stay in my context. It's yeah. something I learned as a software developer. It's hard to hold everything up there when you're doing software development. You've got all the moving pieces and you remember you wrote a bit of this code and you're setting this up. And so someone tapping on the shoulder and going, hey, Jared, what about that? And you're like, oh, I just forgot all of that. Yeah. So I, I quite like to have my notifications off. Mm, makes sense. I mean, there's there's... I actually found that challenging because I, I first first career like proper career was sales and commissionally selling because people scared the shit out of me so I was like, I'll do it as a job. Well, sales is not something I've ever tried to do. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. No, no, it's cool. It's valuable. But but it was just one single thing. EQ. You know, you just focus on the person. You do that. But then coming here and doing context flips like you're talking about. Yeah. Is it is there a way? Do you incorporate like deep work? Like how do you? position yourself to start going down that direction of single focus yeah it's as simple as just blocking out time in your calendar for me so okay. that um i think google even have a feature for it now focus time so you can just put it into your calendar and it's it's regularly there and for me i tell the people who work with us um you know you know when your best focus time is you know m mine happens to be first thing in the morning hmm. i haven't i haven't taken on everything and i'm not my context switching energy is still high and I can get through work. And then in the afternoon, I'm not as effective. But you know, knowing where your most effective time is, where you feel happiest and most productive, and then blocking that time out, and that's yours, hmm. right? That's for you to do the, you know, you talked about the six things on your list or the number one thing you're going to do should be in that focus time. And you should be, you should, you should respect yourself and your time and not let someone walk over it. So when yeah. someone goes, oh, I've got a meeting, can you fit it in? You go, oh, yeah, okay, you can take my focus time. Don't do it. You know, your focus time is, is prime. Mm. It's when you can achieve stuff. Yes, yeah, good point. Are you one of those 4 a.m. guys? I'm a 5 a.m. guy. Yeah, I felt like... <laughs> I have done 4 a.m. for a while when I was developing a startup idea, but 5 a.m. is my regular get-up time now. 
So, I, I, like, we were talking off here, and it sounds like you've optimized nearly every facet of your life. So, I've actually been curious, and people love the whole morning routine thing. So, if you don't mind walking me through, you wake up at five, and then what's what's the steps? What are yeah, you doing? I think you should start at the other side. Okay. So, I'll start for the preparing for the morning. Okay. Because the right. morning's the effect of the things before it. Like, you can't, you can't go out and drink and then start every day at five and going, great right you're gonna be terrible so for me it starts for the when i stop eating so i stop eating at 6 p.m preferably not meat so just for dinner it's vegetable and then bed 9 9 30 10 probably 9 and then i i will sleep till 5 a.m uh the reason i eat at 5 or 6 is so that i have a better sleep and the heart rate's lower um i have less work to do more restful sleep and then i get up at five get up at five i say that i wake up at five i don't sometimes get out of bed till 5 30 um uh with with shell partner good you're human yep spend a bit of time together and then it's five or six 5 30 or six get up we have a few kids in the house so there's a bit of a kid routine going on um but then by seven i've usually got some time so i, I can choose then that's me kind of a little bit of focus time so that's when i get to make my decision about my time so won't eat breakfast uh have a cup of tea is about all i have um and then seven till eight thirty nine is is my outside of my day job personal time like i can choose to work but i can also choose to write some code or i can choose to research something hmm. um so that's my, my routine and then at eight thirty, then it's you know it's work all day so do, do you do anything around the mindset component like mindfulness do you do oh yeah i missed out that so the we do yoga in the mornings um, are we so with your partner yep yeah at home usually do yoga at six um so we get the kids all ready they're eating we do yoga in the other room huh um used to meditate uh after yoga um usually it was half hour yoga half hour meditate but i have dropped that lately and it's something i should do but i'm not making the time to do i think they're the same thing i mean yeah it's an extension for me i started off doing yoga and then i realized i was in quite a flow state and i thought ah, oh, why don't i try meditation and then I listened to Michael Taft, I think he had a book and a podcast and he he made meditating more scientific for me rather mm. than wishy-washy is what yeah. I kind of thought of it before. Okay. Uh, and then it made sense of the, you know, training your brain to be more focused, to not react to all the primeval thoughts fired at you. Yeah. I mean, it's the most valuable thing I learned. I, I, I couldn't imagine doing what I was doing in the sales career without it right because yeah. i was essentially juggling tarantulas for a living <laughs> like I was just, oh, every day i'm gonna talk get rejected by hundreds of people yeah, and yeah. talk to 40 yeah yeah well then it's a good experience of being rejected yeah you, you get used to it and it's not a, not a thing anymore it's a balance so i think a lot of people uh, are limiting their success out of fear of rejection but i would say so yeah yeah. The thing I would say to that, though, in terms of, let's say you've got an underlying belief system that you're not good enough or you feel a certain way, you sort of need to reparent that in your life. So that comes from expressing it to people that accept and understand you. Hmm. So the challenge with being consistently rejected is you're putting it out there and getting reinforced you're not good enough. Right. So you have to be confident with yourself. Yeah. But you have to know yourself, don't you? You have to go through some sort of journey to find who you are and be okay with your limitations sure like i'm not amazing at everything and you have to know what you can and cannot do and what you're not good at and what you are good at and i guess know yeah know where you are in there and and be happy with that or or do something about it 
like you know i i meditated more so that i'd be less reactive to my kids because at the end of the day when i'm tired and i'm not my best person and i'm, I'm more likely to react then meditating for me helped me not react mm. so you, you you accepted well it's more of a stoic thing i guess you you pre-visualize the event that could happen so that when it does happen you don't react so that was for me trying to improve my mental state or you know my limitation was that and so i was trying to get better at at that part of that part of my life makes sense i mean so i go to the thing every week it's the mankind project and you um essentially it's just men supporting men where you talk about accountability like any agreements you've kept or haven't kept oh, cool. and it's self-accountability no one's telling anyone else to do yep. they're just saying hey did you do it it's on them nice um, but one of the realizations, because there's other things like emotions and um, different components of it, was that I am somewhat jaded, and I'm judged. I can be judgmental of others. Right. So they put this challenge out. Isn't to that me. all humans? Yeah, it is. <laughs> but I want to rise above. <laughs> so I started tracking each time I have a projection. So judgments are okay. Judgments is like if I throw this ball, it's going to land. A projection is all the emotion and the story from my past I'm yeah, putting yeah. onto the individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how I approach the projections part, like similar to how you're talking about the kids, is that I unpack what led to the emotion nice. that is it un- uncharacteristics for the situation. Yep. Whereas you're prepared in advance for it to happen so then that you're resilient, which is quite a, a different way to see things. Yeah, I'm... I try to be more reflective, but um, you're talking about you've been quite reflective in a situation and working out how it is you came to that point. Um, it's definitely something I'm learning as a skill. I'm more reactive or uh, less reflective, which is interesting because I, as I say that we do that at work, reflection is something we do a lot. But um, yeah, I definitely try to prepare my brain and for, for the situation before. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. I'll be curious, like, what leads to the man, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a bit of a, a deep person, so you can you can uh, go as deep as you want. But I'll be curious, like, you know, even, like, where you were born and, like, what school was like or... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, have, I had a very easy life. Oh, yeah. um, cool. uh, all the privilege you could probably ask for. Um, uh, born in Auckland, uh, raised in a nice house and didn't didn't move houses had a very stable childhood had very good schooling um parents stayed together uh you know we we holidayed we did things um you know went to Auckland grammar had a good education uh was given the opportunity to go to university I just didn't have the drive and and disappointed my parents by dropping out halfway through the first year of engineering because um well I base it on my education was so good that first year of university was boring and I, I didn't really have the advice that yes it will be but it will get harder and maybe more interesting but um it just wasn't for me so i, I left um was that challenging like the sense of like failure or like a comparison no, to peers or i don't think i was a very good human at that age I you think, weren't a good human i don't think i was very <laughs> very considerate or um you know yeah yeah are you 19 18 uh, I read that you don't make a good decision on average till you're 27, so I wasn't making very good decisions still. Um, Were you somewhat entitled given your to- wonderful life? Yeah, like I don't. We weren't well off, oh, but yeah. we, were, we were we were comfortable okay. as, as a family. Um, 
it's not like I was bought anything. You know, I still had to buy my own first car and yeah. and and things. Um, but uh, I was pretty selfish, and you know, it was my time, and I'm going to do what I want. And hmm. and it wasn't. You know, it's not totally older. Well, in my opinion, that when you start having a family and you realize all the work you did do for your kids and what your parents would have done for you, and I don't think I really considered that at all as a child. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I had, had an easy life, but the. Uh, University failure. No, it didn't affect me. I just got a job. I just walked yeah. into the, um, it was a Hyatt Hotel at the end of university at that time and, and asked for a job. Hyatt Hotel? Yeah, it's the end of, what's well, it's now the Pullman, I think. Okay. And end of university, Auckland University. Yeah, cool. So from engineering to hospitality, like a Yeah, I just, I just asked for a job and they said there was a uh, hotel porter job, you know, opening doors, carrying bags. Hi, yeah? Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, actually, it was the most fun job I've ever had. Uh, yeah. All you had to do was is open the car door for people getting out, drive their really nice cars around to the car park, may have taken a couple around the block, uh, carry the bags to a room and yeah. talk to them. Yeah. And they get, and Americans gave you extra money. I was like, okay, I can do that. I mean, it wasn't well paid, but. Yeah, yeah. Did you get any gossip, any like famous people come in and they weren't too nice or they came no, in with their mistress? Or, no, that was the oh, really, mate, I know. <laughs> we had Michael Jackson's crew come through when they had a oh, concert, yeah. and but he didn't stay there. And No, there was never any salacious things at all. It was it was all a bit mainstream. <laughs> we, had a, we had a guy, Stan Henry, he used to manage like a large um, hotel chain in the stories. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I was only there for three, three or so years different jobs three years oh right. you know went through the ranks of the the hotel porter to running the porters to working at reception to assistant managing reception to night managing the hotel sort of thing huh. you know you can go through the different we, roles we live in a colorful life going out there meeting people drinking uh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm just trying to get a, was, an assessment of the man uh, yeah, yeah i was a as a regular attendee at the box nightclub and in, <laughs> yeah. in, in my te- uh, late teens early teens no late okay. teens late teens 20s Cool. So, so then you know, you you did your three years, and then or, or you suddenly I'm going to start a business. Or no, there's a no, few, there's a big um, gap. In there's there, a big gap there. Yeah, uh, a girlfriend at the time was going off to England. Um, my mum's English had a passport. Uh, went on the journey with her. Um, went to Australia, Sydney for nine months for her family, and then stayed in England for twelve-ish uh, uh, years. Um, but yeah, went with hospitality. I realized that, uh, I guess it was the first year in London where I really realized the value of money. Because before then, it was just available to me. Uh, you know, had had education, never had, always had money. And then went to England, had a hospitality job in England. It was a terrible idea. Um, the pay was, I don't even know what minimum wage is there, but it was terrible. And to a point where I think I had six pounds for the whole weekend to spend on myself mm. that was it you know i had lunches covered because we were in a bed set at the time but all i had was six pounds so i had to make a decision on the one thing that i would do in the weekend it was you know hot chips or possibly a movie <laughs> and that was it there was no going out nothing no privilege um i did that for eight months or so until i went okay that, i can't do this that's not enough yeah so i did a uh, i did a microsoft uh course um on uh, yeah, programming, networking, that sort of thing, and then landed a job at uh, Solomon Smith Barney, which is an investment bank in London, uh, on desktop support. Just just timing, lucky. I just did my course, and then there was a job sitting there available. 
went in, they pretty much gave me the same test that I'd just done at Microsoft and offered me a job. I was like, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> um, and then they got bought by Citibank and I worked at Citibank for a uh, yeah, number of 16 years at Citibank through different jobs at support, uh, desktop support for trading floor, back office, and then... Um, they have like engineering teams which uh, write and support systems for uh, the company. Um, architected a few systems, rolled out some uh, global systems for them, uh, and had some kids, got married, um, and then came back here in 2010, moved my job back here, which is quite cool. Um, yeah. But then it wasn't, you know, I worked at E-Road for three and a bit years. Um, Eero do uh, not just do, but do tracking devices and trucks. Like most of the trucks in this country have Eero devices in. They do um, telemetrics, uh, driver behavior. Um, oh, we needed that. That sort of thing. Yeah, well, it's good good for the truck drivers. Um, they've gamified that. That's quite cool. But yeah, worked there for a number of years and left there running the engineering shop. The, the 10 different agile teams running all those. Um, was quite an experience it's a good life learning and then left there three three and a half years ago uh to join uh my co co-partner now at x's y yeah wow i i say we need that because i used to be a garbage runner on the back of a truck and um we didn't have a handbrake on the really? truck <laughs> yes. is that a normal thing well i mean a lot of them don't want to put the outlay for good equipment so they keep trying to fix something that won't be fixed Right, it's, that's common. So you'd have to turn the wheel into the, the curb. <laughs> Safe. Yeah, you want to track that. <laughs> um, all right. So, so how did you did you tag into the existing business? Did you guys have a chat? And you're like, you know what? I've got this idea. Yeah, right? yeah. So, business partner Cyrus, we had been friends for a while. Um, uh, lived together in the UK. Um, uh, you know, have been close friends for a number of years. Um. I knew what he was doing. He had started XSY many years before, um, maybe eight years before, as a cloud advisory company, uh, before people started really moving to the cloud. And so I think uh, it was a bit ahead of the game. They couldn't get people to actually understand what the cloud was <laughs> yeah. um, or why there would be a cloud. Um, <laughs> and he was in and out of jobs, uh, his last one being at PwC running their uh, data practice. So he had good experience with consulting, uh, and had had numerous jobs before that in the data space. Mm. So he was like, okay, I want to give this a proper go. He'd had enough of PwC, um, realized that the big corporate game wasn't for him. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, we had tried to do some tech startup ideas ourselves before then together. Hadn't quite worked out, but then he said, well, you know, do you want to join and give it a go? I was like, oh, wow, that sounds exciting, but also crazily scary. Mm. Um but yeah, give it a go. Did you have to buy in or did it, how no, did that work? No, it didn't buy in um, because at that starting point, he hadn't built any IP. Oh, yeah. Um, so we we worked alongside each other for the first year doing kind of separate things, but me understanding a bit more. And then uh, after that, we just gave it a go. Hmm. Um, what, what What's that like? You know, like I, I tend to not want to work with friends or family. Maybe it's a misguided rule, but I, I just like to have separate lives. Yeah, it's interesting, that not it? Like <laughs> I, I don't treat work as work. 
So we try and say that at work too, that it's, you're not two Jareds, you're, you're Jared. And I'm the same person I am at work. Mm. I'm not drunk at work and I may get drunk in the evening, but, <laughs> you know, occasionally, but I am the same person <laughs> and the same values and the same way of communicating. And, and for me, I wear the same clothes. I don't change for work. I don't have work clothes. Um, mm. So it feels like it's the same thing. And, and yeah, I can see why working with a friend could be problematic. Like if you don't know that much about them and you don't know how they work, you could, you know, because you have stressful times at work um, and you've got to be able to still communicate and, and, and work, work that out, I guess. Mm. So I know Cyrus pretty well. So we've spent a lot of time together. So I, knew, I know what sort of person he is. I know how he communicates and I know how that, how, I can communicate communicate with him. You know, I know how he works, and he knows. I think he knows how I work, so it tends to it tends to work out. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's not so much the interaction or the communication style or navigating certain things, because the foundation of any friendship I have is authenticity, empathy, and responsibility. Yeah, hundred percent. So that's part, it's more the like, you know, you're wearing the same clothes to go home and you're hanging out with your friend that you also talk about work all the time. Like I'm a, I love what I do. I obsess. Yeah, yeah. So if I've got a friend working with me, I'm just like, okay, 24 hours a day. Let's talk about it. Yeah. How do you, how do you separate? Yeah, we don't, do we separate? You don't, you just keep going. Yeah, just keep just going a little bit. But I guess in the, in the weekends, I'm, or if we're doing something socially, I'm conscious of the other people around us because... We, we have a monthly poker game as well and we could just talk about our work lives at poker but then it's just you know it's kind of less exciting for the other people <laughs> yeah, excluded so i pretty much don't do that but i think <laughs> i hope my dad doesn't listen to this i learned from my father i learned not to talk about work too much at the dinner table because hearing my father talk about his work at the dinner table was less exciting to me hmm. So yeah. I, I I try not to overshare my personal like I share some things about what I'm doing but the the nitty gritty of the of the work yeah. less exciting the 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 interactions and the things I learned great love those I love sharing those with my kids but the you know hey I had to do this for tax reasons here I've got to get <laughs> I've got to talk to my accountant less exciting yeah yeah no I, I agree so, great lesson from dad yeah, yeah it is you know. <laughs> shout out dad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we try to talk not too much about that at personal times. and But, you know, at work, we're busy. Uh, I don't spend all day with him. We're mostly remote working anyway. Hmm. We have teams at different clients. So we're in there for some hours a week helping them and those teams run um, less. You know, we have check-ins, like we had a check-in this morning, have a weekly sales and forecast call where him and I talk about what we're doing and where we're at. So on that, on that remote component, because, I mean... It- COVID, the, the blessing um, of the tragedy was that, you know, there's a, a lot of adoption and acceptance of that model, whereas you somewhat would have been a pioneer prior to that. Yeah, we were used to it, but we it, it definitely um, changed for us too because our, our people were encouraged to go to client site by the client, usually. Hmm. And then all of a sudden it was the opposite. You're encouraged where well, you were told not to come in. So we work from home a lot more. And then that made a, a thing for us as a company. Oh, well, people actually do want some in-person time. So then we started renting office space uh, in the Ice House uh, once every two weeks. So we all go in and have that person-to-person interaction. We go out for lunch together and you get a bit of that. Yeah. Um, 
but it's definitely changed the pep the the clients we're working with for sure you see that the two different sides of the post lockdown is the oh working from home has worked really well our people are happy uh, they get to do what they want and we're still productive or it's the other side of the coin the when are they going to come back in <laughs> why aren't they in the office yeah well i mean i think I think that highlights a mismanagement where a lot of people are trying to enforce or using the system and process to get people to work as opposed to people working for their own values and their own vision. And I think that's an important distinction where, you know, that traditional model of like you got the cubicles and you know when someone's absent because you can see them. Yeah, that's the the thought that if they're in the office, they're working. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean... I think I, before the internet, probably true. Yeah. Post-internet? No, there's a lot of socials. <laughs> there's a lot. Like, you know, I, I love what I do, and I like to think I'm relatively productive, but I'm a lot of the time I'm not as well. So yeah, I but think we, it's just... Yeah, we'd be honest about that, right? I, 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 I'm unproductive to be more productive. Sometimes I'm like, look, I'm cooked. I'm, I need to just look at Instagram. I need to play around on TikTok, yeah. and then I'll be back into it. Yeah. Yeah, we used to at E-Road, there was a table tennis table. And so that's what we use that for. Um, well, there was two things for me. That was a displaying trust to people who work for you, that I trust you to make a decision when you can play that game. And two, a, a, a de-information, I was going to say, for reducing the amount of load on my head, I'll go play table tennis, I'll be in the zone for a bit, and then I can go back and think again. Mm, that makes sense. I'd be curious on that remote thing, so like the lessons. Like, because it's a model that's definitely worth considering. You know, it's cost, and there's a... A workforce that desires that sort of setup provided there's that community sense each day. Yeah, yeah, totally. We have um we put quite a lot into that. The the hybrid work effort, it's something that we're helping other companies with hmm. of realizing the benefits of it. Um it's just you know, it's, I think there's a lot to learn about uh not forcing people into a box to actually be more productive. That whole four day week, uh we haven't embraced it yet, but it's a, it's a it's a goal for us to get to. Um, but just giving people the time to be themselves so that they can actually be more productive rather than going, okay, you've got to come in and you're going to sit here and you're going to work. It's like, oh, really? Am I going to be as good as if maybe I had been allowed to do an errand for an hour and then do some work? Not even be allowed. Like we don't, for us, it's not, you don't have to ask to do something. It's It's expected that you'll deliver the work you're going to do. So you can just go and do what you like whenever you want on the assumption you'll still deliver well it's an important distinction it's like there's this there's a certain badge of honor i can work this amount of hours and yeah i get that ego part too but then it's like you've got this workforce if they're passionate loving what they do and they're delivering on the outcomes do they need to work the 80 hours the 20 no. hours yeah 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 so we tell our staff that we don't count the number of hours you're working for are you working enough we will count them if you're working too much. So if you're going over the 40 consistently, then there's going to be a conversation with you because we don't see that it's healthy. So we actually push it the other way. We push you back to 40. Hmm. So on, on that, how do you, like from a structure standpoint, like so you got this, you're just paying the same each week, like with the salary, and then even though they're only working 20 hours a week because they're delivering the outcome, you're happy with it? Yeah, let's be honest. No one's working 20 hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. But, yeah. you know, I mean, if, if they could get the same valley done in 20 hours, great. Good on you. But 
you know, it's a fair amount of work we're getting through at work. So 20 hours is, is not realistic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it might vary uh, eight hours either side of the 40. Yeah. You know, you might uh, take a few hours off here and there to get it done. Okay. Got but it's, we don't, yeah, it's not, it's not time on in seat that delivers value. Well, I think, you know, yeah, and I agree. And I, I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding of work-life balance. I find I find it's important to have a, a break and, and to, to have these different aspects of your life. But the reason often people need work-life balance is because they don't like their work. So they're balancing it with their life. Yeah, possibly. You don't have to agree. It's it's more, it's more not to say, hey, like if you want to work 30 hours a week and then go jump off a helipad doing snowboarding, do it. All I'm saying is, fucking get a job you like first. Yeah, I mean that should be. To... Yeah, but it's hard though, isn't it, to get a job you you like? Yeah, I, I'm guessing most people don't have a job they like. Yes. Well, it's maybe they like the people, maybe they like the company, but having something you do all day every day where you're actually happy all day. Like I imagine, if you were doing this all day, you'd be happy. This this would be a great job. <laughs> you're talking and you're learning. That's a good job. But the yeah. uh, you know, there are. I don't enjoy all of my job. I enjoy the satisfaction of what we're making mm. and the, the, the mentoring that we give to people, I find satisfying, but you know, the doing my taxes or some of the financial things, or I'm not going to getting complete enjoyment out of that. I just have to get that done so I can do some other things. So I don't know how many people actually enjoy every part of their job or enough. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen the data on it, but yeah, we had a guy Grant did his talk at one of the events I used to run, and he said there's global survey. It's about seventy percent of people don't like their job. Right, and that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. But it's I guess sad. it's it's the you know with all with all data, right? It's oh, yeah. which part of your job don't you like? Don't do you not like your boss? You could have an amazing job, but a dick of a boss, right? Who is just gonna not be a good person? So you're never gonna enjoy it. Well, I think anecdotally, it definitely be, it appears to be apparent. I, I find a lot of people's lives are ruled by fear and they have some understanding of what might bring them joy, but just don't feel they have the capacity or the strength or the belief to deliver on that or even think there's an opportunity that can do it. Yes. Yeah. Because I've been sort of thinking about what actually, how do you discover your purpose? Mm. And I've, I've narrowed it down to a thing that I, it's, it appears to be right, which is that your purpose is helping a version of yourself in the world. And by that, I mean, there's an emotional theme in your life where you consistently find yourself going in that, like uh, it's, I'm not good enough, or I'm this, or I'm that, or you've witnessed a certain experience, um, either seeing your family struggle financially, so you want to help provide so right. others don't have to go through that. Yep. So then using that as a model, what, problem or aspect of yourself you would enjoy helping the most if you could do that in the world yeah it's interesting i'd, I'd i've always shot <laughs> might sound terrible i've always shied away from people having a purpose like i'm more of a, a, a black and white guy when it comes to <laughs> okay. humans being on being in existence like i'm less on the purposeful side more on the accidental uh, interactions between atoms and we happen to just happen to be here oh, yeah, and yeah. I've been created uh, through my parents interaction and I don't really I, it's not it's not like, it's not like I'm on this planet 
for a purpose. I just happen to exist on this planet. Yeah, yeah. But taking it back to what you said, uh, my strongest memories of Citibank being there for 12 years was I didn't get any mentoring. That was my interpretation. Other people may have a different opinion. And there were a couple of people I looked up to and I learned from, but I didn't get enough time with them to really mold me as a person. I just slowly muddled through it. Mm. So the purpose I get through X is Y and our smallish 14-person company is the mentoring and time I get to give to the people in the company as well as our clients. Like I, I love spending time with people who are working with us, our clients doing the same thing, you know, simple advice, like what we're talking about earlier, the focus time, just little things like that of, Oh, I hadn't thought about focus time. Oh, I get some time to myself. Great. I don't have to do this hamster wheel all day long. I can do something and get a bit of, I guess, purpose out of the day. Hmm. So that that's what gives me the most pleasure. Yeah. I think, I think, I, yeah, I don't think we have any inherent meaning. Like, you know, there's a predestined plan or destination. I'm going to be this and that. Yeah, we're a virus. <laughs> yeah, we're just destroying the planet. Um, but Well, it, just this planet at the moment. Yeah, so far. Wait for Elon to go to Mars and then, then we'll take on another one. Yeah, we'll have a few nuclear bombs on either poles and we're off. Yeah, yeah. Get some atmosphere going. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. Um, but in terms of what makes the most of the time you're here, I think that's what I mean by purpose. Yep. And, and it appears to be apparent in what you're saying as well, you know, the the aspect of your life that felt what you felt was lacking, you're, you're medicating that in the world and yeah. it gives you joy. It does give me joy hmm. to be able to do that. Um, what stops you from outsourcing things you don't want to do? Like the tax, fuck it, I don't want to do it. I don't yeah, do it. I mean, we have a good accountant and they do most of it, to be honest. Yeah. There's just some of the, uh, it's less tax and more just financial management, you know. Mm. are we spending an, an, enough are we spending too much um you know there's the you have 14 people so people have salaries so you've got salary reviews and you've got to think about those sort of things and you know, you've got to think about marketing and how much you're going to spend on marketing and there's you know there's a few decisions on running your own company um mm. you know who you partner with and how's your relationship with you with your partners and those are well the relationship ones i actually quite enjoy but just the the you know, it'd be nice if magically the company just was over here surviving <laughs> and I could just talk. Yeah, I mean, you do have to suck it up in life. And maybe I'm a bit naive. So, you know, when I get there, I'll let you know when I start. What's the planning? Even, but even, I guess I'm a, maybe I'm a bit exhausted on the planning because I'm trying to plan holidays and I have, I was going to say, unfortunately, that sounds terrible. There are four kids in my family at the moment, uh, two, two families joined together. And so there are four, and I never thought I have four kids. That's that's a lot of kids. <laughs> a lot uh, of two kids. was two was a good number. Four is is enjoyable in different ways. But planning a holiday for six people, that is not easy. There's a lot of admin and planning going on, even actually weekend planning. Uh, one of my one of my yet to be uh, executed startup ideas is uh, uh, weekend planning suggestions for families. So if if I'm busy at work all day, which most people are. And they get to the weekend and go, oh, I didn't plan anything. Kids are going to run around the house. Oh, well, that's okay. Or, you know, I just go to the park. But if you had a service you paid for, which knew you and your ages and your and the things you like and suggested full day itineraries that you <laughs> yeah. paid for as a service, you went, oh, yeah, I'll take that one. And then you went off and did an amazing thing with zero effort at all to plan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that, would that be a software? Or? Yeah, totally. Software with some, some mechanical Turk humans behind it planning 
planning things or uh, people people creating itineraries that other people to get to take that somehow are financially incentivized to do that because they get part of the the subscription just uh, for me being i like enjoying things but i don't spend enough time planning them yeah i get in trouble there i, I don't plan i just I, i'll go to countries and i don't know where they are in the world nice and i've got a i've got to carry on how luggage. could that be dangerous yeah, yeah. it's it's gone okay so far. it's been a bit dicey at times yeah. haven't been to parts of africa yet <laughs> no that's coming i might have to yeah i'm I don't know. I guess you can't get a gun, but you, the reality, like, not to say all Africa, but just South Africa, definitely. Like, you need something, some protection. Yeah, some security. But I just like walking the streets. But I don't want to be naive. So we'll see. I'll let you know. I was in um Israel when um Trump was moving the um the embassy. Oh yeah. Was going to. So um, Hamas was, um, which is like a terrorist organization or a liberation force, or whatever you look at. Yeah, it, yeah. They were like going to open the gates of hell on on um, Jerusalem, and I was only there for a week. And I was like, everyone, they had a countrywide warning: all you, you know, U.S. citizens should leave. And I was like, yeah, and, fuck it. Yeah. So I made friends with the taxi driver that used to be in the military in the '60s when it first. Well, they all they all have to do service, don't they? Yeah, they all, they all do. They do. They're all very healthy looking people and the diversity of all the different countries. It's really the beautiful people, really. Um, and my favorite place I've ever been. Nice. So yeah, we're just going around and there was no lines for anything. I call it the whispering wall where they go pray. And we just skipped the line, like the little line that there was because he was like had cancer and he used to be in the military. So he had this little thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. So Good friend. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. yeah, I gave like a grand tip just because it's like, <laughs> you're a legend. We've got like, technically, we're not meant to be here. There's yeah. all this military yeah, around yeah. and you're just going, well, it's yeah. like, yeah, okay, you deserve it. Local access. Yeah. Um, you like to just turn up. Yeah, I, I I don't need to plan, really. Like, I mean, there there is a component. Like, you've got to, you know, have food, shelter. There's You don't have to be too strategic. I, I just instill my trust in others. And my ability to navigate whatever problem happens. Yeah, you have a, a blind faith in in people that yeah. you'll be okay. And me. Yeah. To be honest, your like, survival instinct. I'll work it out. Like, we'll, yeah. we'll, okay, I'll sleep on a park bench for a day, and then, then yeah. I'll find a place. Yeah. So you're less of a worrier, more of a enjoyer. Yeah. No, yeah. No, well, and interestingly enough. I'm either an obsessive overthinker that doesn't take any action or I just wing it. <laughs> Place and time for each. Yeah. yeah. But I think I think we should talk more about you and your skill set. <laughs> set of um So, okay, so you, you, you help these companies with this data and having meaningful data. Is it is there a system or process or tools that you should use to get data, quality data or is it smart processes to collect that data yeah it's less about the data more about the way of working so you need a smart way of working to do something and usually data will help you through that so the smart way of working that we try to instill with our clients is is being reflective and purposeful so if we get together and set our company goals and we set some metrics to be able to measure ourselves towards our goals and then we reflect every week on is our data telling us we're getting closer or further away from our metrics so we can reach our goals so that's the basic premise of what we do and if you have that routine in a lot of places not just work uh, then you will move closer towards your goal and you'll you'll spend less time on the random things that get thrown at you 
which happens everywhere um, from the you know in a company from the from the c-suite to underneath of the random things or to the sales team who have this great new idea uh, <laughs> when you're trying to deliver something um, yeah we help that process and yes we're meticulous about the type of data we pick up we don't advise people to pick up all data because all data is not good it's purposeful so you know we have our goals we have our metrics i just need the data for those metrics because if i'm getting lost in all the data then i have to manage all the data and the risk of all the data and then i haven't had time to do my purposeful data for my goals so it's being quite purposeful and picking up the data you want to look after and, and curate and create so we work in a co-creation so we don't believe in the tech teams over there and the business over here it's a it's a modern team together where you're working through it making decisions on the fly and, and producing data so the business people person can have their cadence of being reflective okay yes those changes i said i was going to make i did do them did i not do them oh, i did do them great did they have an effect yes they did or even the ah oh, I said I was going to do those tasks because I thought they were going to do something good, but I didn't get them done because thing on my right distracted me. That's fine. You know, I can't be purposeful every day in my life, but still by doing the cadence of meeting every week or so often, you'll eventually get upset with yourself. Oh, I didn't do it again. Oh, I didn't do it again. And if you do that in a public forum, you're probably going to feel a bit insecure about that. And eventually you'll actually do it. Yeah, and yeah. then you've got that nice peer pressure of yep i'm going to do the things i said i would do and they may not work right they may not take you towards your goal but you tried and you mm. purposely tried okay well when i hear that and i think of data and i think of the average small business they're probably not thinking too much about data so you're probably your client base are a bit larger more on the they are side. a bit larger yep so on that you're coming in and you're you're essentially with lack of a better word, incorporating some level of a startup focus where, you know, you can make quick decisions that happen at the time. How you bring that in? How you bring that into corporate? Is it the tech people? They're just different or what? No, no, you're right. It's not the tech people. It's 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 the C-suite mm. um, and it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Um, but more and more C-suite people are recognizing that they need to know what's going on, uh, especially in the health and safety space. Right, you know, you are now financially and legally on the hook for the health and safety of some of your organization. So you can't just go, hey, you guys over there, I hope you get it right. Right? You have to actually know what's going on. So having some data about how it's going and do I have to worry about it is a good thing. So it's just training people on on that. But it's still hard. Like a lot of people are used to I get a bucket of money. And I make some more things and I do some more projects and it looks like we make more money. Great. I mean, it's not until maybe there's some sort of financial downturn or, you know, COVID changes and half your customers disappear. Mm -hmm. And you want to know, well, shit, where should I actually put my efforts? Because I can't do it all anymore. That makes it a bit easier. But it's a hard sell. The way of working is a hard sell. A lot of people don't want to pay attention to the metrics or even stop and reflect. Like asking someone to stop and reflect on what data do you actually need? What are your actual metrics? That's actually quite a hard conversation. You, you feel a bit insecure about, oh, I'm good at my job, but I, I don't really know. Yeah. I don't really know exactly what I should be looking at, but I know I've got to get the stuff done. Mm. So it, it can be a bit confronting. Um, and, you know, it's, it's growing though. People are seeing more and more value in 
baselining metrics. So we started at a very simple level for companies. It's like, what are the nine things that are most important to the company? Mm. And let's just start measuring those and get that correct. Or even, what's your interpretation of profit? Because my interpretation at the same company may be completely different because I, I take out this line item and, and I, I, don't, I don't believe the things that come in January because that's a hangover from last year. So I don't treat those as revenue. Just getting all those things out in the open of this is what revenue or profit means or the count of something. And we get that written down and agreed. So we'll go, okay, that's what we're both talking to. We'll both use that same word so that we're in a place. And then we'll measure your baseline. And that, that alone, that simple task, simple task, take and take a year to get you to that point of an automated, beautiful process that is just going to be there. Is it, because I imagine like, let's say you've got these people, they weren't the biggest believers and now you're telling them, oh, what's your type of profit? And we've got these, this new way of doing things. Is there something that you've realized as a business that helps them see progression? So there's hope, you know what I mean? So you come yeah. in, you've got these new ideas. Oh yeah, I trust you for a bit. I'm starting to untrust you at three, that three months. Yeah. What's going on? It's, it's the constant communication. So we don't, we don't work in isolation. So even the the people who are signing off on your work, the, the C-suite if it is, they are involved in a process with us once a week where we talk through what's happened. They're not doing the work, you know, other team is doing it, uh, but we keep them abreast. So we work ourselves in two-week sprints. We're producing documentation every two weeks on progress. There's clear business benefits. So there's quite a lot of effort to go in to keep the conversation alive of what's actually being delivered. Not just, oh, can you wait six months? And then we'll see what happened. It's it's quicker iteration through things. So we can't get all metrics done straight away, but we can do one and we can we can show benefit from that. And then we can start helping you use that in a meeting to talk to it. And then you can start seeing progress. Oh, I, I get it. I start changing things. I can see progress. I'm going to hit my targets. Great. I'm going to look good. Um, so just you have to find the person who is more into it. Because let's be honest, not everybody is going to care at the moment yeah like if i was in that position i'd be like i need to care i don't want to care so i'll find you know i find a way to either partner with someone that cares and then they do it and then they can speak in my language yeah it's funny that people who are passionate about something like in an exec you know you're not, not going to be looking at everything mm-hmm. i can't you know if you're the head of marketing you might be less or more interested in in some other part of the business but if you own the marketing space and the marketing data and you understand that and can talk to it and you know how it works and you know what to tweak, then you know you can just own the marketing data and talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think data has an incredible opportunity, even, even just the, the simple, from a personal development standpoint, to have some form of documenting your life or emotional experiences that makes it clear so that in the fog of whatever's going on in your life and it differentiates it because the truth is the truth. 100%. I, that's why my aura ring measures a lot about me, but I use that for ratifying my perception of my sleep so you know your your version your comprehension of time is terrible while you're sleeping you know you wake up and you might stay awake for a minute but you went oh my god i was awake for hours last night it was a terrible sleep Mm. and i've done that sometimes and then i look at my aura ring and it goes oh no you're awake for 10 minutes once out of seven hours your sleep was still good you know don't 
get yourself sucked into the mindset, oh, I had a terrible sleep, it's going to be a terrible day. You know, you, I use it to go, oh, it was, it was actually okay, I was fine. <laughs> I can't remember, people were like, I didn't get to sleep till 10. I was like, what, so you're just lying there, you're like 10, and then you just dropped off. My ring tells me off for falling asleep too fast. It gives yeah. me a red warning because my, my sleep latency is too low. Because I, I literally fall asleep in four minutes. Yeah. Well, that's a talent. I think it's a talent. I yeah. don't know why the rings, I think the ring is warning me because maybe I'm too tired. Huh. Well, I mean, yeah, the routine, I mean, consistent bedtime and wake-up time just yeah. change your life. Yeah, the eating consistently and the sleeping consistently. Yeah, as I say, I sit off here. I work out how not to eat food until at midnight, you know what I mean, like or nine or whenever. Yeah, I mean, I used to as well. I used to just eat whenever and didn't worry about it. But mm. I guess the older you get, well, for me, the older I get, the, the worse things have gotten. So I you know, want to try and regulate it. Maybe it's because they have less time. You know, you have uh, more time pre-children to do whatever you feel like doing. And now I have less time. So I want to make sure that less time is optimal. Yeah. Well, I mean, more often. I mean, like, I find disciplines liberation. So I think if you can create those rituals and those consistencies and that's that framework. Yeah. And what motivates me is like, if I'm not, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the potential people I could be helping each time I have my McDonald's or each time I don't wake up at this time. And I do the McDonald's a bit too much. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel on that. So I, I feel like I need to extract more value from you, man. I just talk to It's the why, isn't it? It's the why. Like, I, I didn't do any of that routine until I had a why. Like, you know, I, I don't eat later because it's now proven to me through data that I sleep better if I don't. So now I know that's a good why. You know, the... The not eating meat at dinner time means my heart rate is lower at night time, which means my heart rate is lower, which means it has less beats. And the information I understand is you have a finite number of beats in your heart. So if you can make it do less, it's going to last longer. So it's that simple for me. If I, well, I would, you know, I'm not saying every single night I'm perfect. I'm definitely going out in the weekend sometimes and I'm definitely going out to dinner and I'm definitely having meat. But vast majority of the time, my heart is doing less, so it'll last longer. So that hummingbird, if it doesn't find food in a few hours, is dead or whatever. <laughs> it's like some remarkably short time because its heart rate's going so fast. Because the wings are so fast, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So let's let's use a specific example because I tend to find that um, people that are, are thought leaders or experts in certain competency, I do a disservice with the question because it goes too broad. So I'm wondering if you could use a specific example, not necessarily naming them, of how you took a client from this to that and the processes you went to to get from this to that. Oh, yeah, there's a lot there. Um, so uh, we helped uh, Ports of Auckland um, over the last, uh, we're not there now, but the last couple of years, um, help them have more insight into their operations. Uh, so they have you know have a lot going on. There's, it's a very complex business with a lot of things moving. Um, I think if people looked into how complex it was, they'd be quite amazed that things actually appear out the other side of the gate. Um, there's a lot, a lot of moving pieces there. Um, so we helped them. The process of getting people together, uh, we try to have a, like a common purpose and get people emotionally tied into what they're doing. Uh, and then just s slowly chipping away at that of uh, getting people together, agreeing where we're going to go getting the right people involved, showing some things early on and often as you can. The way we work is we we design things, we prototype them, 
we sell that dream, then we kind of make it with fake data because we can't get the real data yet. And then you make it with real data. So there's a lot of sharing of things with people to get them on that journey. But for them now, they the thing that I celebrate is in their, their lunchroom, they now have a big TV up with metrics that they celebrate to a point now they're the, and that's not just for executives, right? That's for everybody. People now complain when the data's not accurate. What, what I mean by accurate is uh, the last 15 minutes haven't shown. So they, they have, they have a, um, every 15 minutes metrics get updated about operations for, for public consumption there or private consumption internally. And it's used so much now that people complain about it, which sounds like it, you, sh- you shouldn't be happy they're complaining, mm. but it's more the fact that they're paying attention to it. And now the, the, everyone can see success metrics for the operations of things moving around and and their part of of their you know because that they're, they're a the people are a, a huge part but a, you know individual contributor is a small part in the in the massive thing of moving containers off a ship onto the dock to the right place onto a truck or train and out is, is one of their movements so you know knowing how you contributed that and the you know the effect that has on even just the effect it has on traffic on the road outside the port can be terrible when all the trucks are piled up and nobody can get in and out hmm. or you know the effect of uh, how can i get my latest car because it's coming in on a boat um and you know they've played they can see the the part they're playing in in, in success so is it like kind of like a video game screen and it's like poof, goes up and it's fun and engaging or is it like it's less <laughs> number f- number 50 i'm like i'm not inspired i hate my job like what the fuck is this hoorah stuff you know? yeah it's you're right it, it's not it's not video game <laughs> yeah, okay. um but there are there are trends and there are targets yeah which sounds a little bit dry that's that's kind of us it's not it's not video game-esque explosions and high fives um yeah. We do that through Slack, but not not on the dashboard. But yeah. the it's you know it has a a clear trend line of hey I'm I'm heading towards that target or I'm not. So I can I can see not just today but over the last week or last year how well we've gone. So if, if you care about it, it's there. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's going to make you care. <laughs> yeah, because if you still don't care about your job, you're not going to care about your job. Yeah, well the, the the part I got from that is that you. You articulate and cultivate a plan of action and help it execute and, and, and take processes in terms of understanding humans and their certain resistances to lead to adoption. Yeah, you've got to bring them humans on the journey. You can't just make something and throw it up and go, hey, here it is. Can you start using it now, please? Yeah. It's, for me, it's skin in the game. It's the, if, I've, if you've helped me make it, you've put some thought into it, you'll want to succeed because your thoughts are in it. Yeah. But if I've made it for you, you can be very dismissive of that thing and go, yeah. no, I don't care about it. No, it, doesn't, it wasn't what I wanted. So it's, it's, it's having that right amount of input from the people so they can sell it. Because it, in my opinion, it does bring people on the journey of success if you can show something about where we're heading. Not just the, oh, we've done well. Or, you know, you did well this year. It's, you know, how, how's the whole thing going? Yeah, no, I, I think I think it is a smart model, especially if you're incorporating the team and giving them responsibility, like within the organization, so they're part of it. And then you're breaking it down incrementally and showing the quick little wins. So there's like a two percent rule in psychology, you know, be two percent better instead of trying to be everything. Nice. Um, so yeah, I, I can see how it makes sense. It was just when you started talking about oh, these corporates, they get to see the screen, and I'll be like. <laughs> 
I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. But but in terms of the overarching management and being able to deliver it and feel included as part it's of the anybody big who anybody it's not always just the executive. It can, you know sometimes it's for a part of the business. Um, we're at countdown as well, and we're helping specific parts of that business just see things so they can take action. It's really if anybody wants to actually improve, then we give them a mechanism that they can do that. Mm. So and you've got data to back up your actions. Because that's the most important part for me is that, you know, I can make a whole lot of decisions and take a whole lot of action, but if I have no idea to actually prove if one of those is successful, how do I know which one I should do more of? Yeah, that makes sense. It, it, it's informed decision making. And then it's also um, from an individual standpoint, it's like, okay, I am delivering on what I said I would, you know, or yep. I know what's going wrong. It's not so overwhelming. And there's a process to, to fix it, to rectify it. I think people respect it too. Like if you, I've worked at big companies and decisions got made around you above you and you're like why is that decision being made like um and you're asking me to now work harder or differently to mm. to do that thing that you've asked to do but I, I have no acceptance that that's a good idea and and nor can i see if it's working yeah but if i can see the people around me going okay we're going to do this because we think it's going to help us with this goal that sounds purposeful okay i'm going to go up buy into that and then i can look at that thing and go, oh look it has gone up you know may not be exactly because of our team there may be other contributing factors but still yeah we're, we're purposely doing something rather than oh i'm gonna reorg yeah now yeah i get like I, I think it's really a testament to my naivety to a certain scale you know the most i've ever managed is 15 people and that's just a direct or direct con- like confrontation well discussion yeah um, well, sometimes whereas, confrontation yeah yeah you can have some confrontation <laughs> I, I just don't know why it came out that way i'll just, just chat it's i can brain talk to firing them. Like, yeah. yeah apparently i have a confrontation i need to have um but yeah when you reach that level of distance between you know what they're making here and what they are and yeah. them feeling excluded and not understanding why that's when you do need to systemize it or well, even now but i think it just it shows uh you're being responsible in my opinion you're being responsible with other people's time like I have quite a beef about that. Like I, I don't like people saying words without understanding the cost of their words. And I, I wish there was a, a, a executive meter that measured the cost of your words. So every time, even politicians, every time you said, we're going to do this, there should be a thing on the screen that said, this is going to cost this much and impact this many people if we all do that. Because oh you have to realize that if you tell a team to, hey, change tack now, you know, they've just dumped everything they've done and now they have to try and do this and work out how to do this and the cost of change is horrendous. Yeah. But so, you, yeah, that's my internal brain thinking. I wish we had a way to measure the cost of words and the, the impact it has on other people and how they think about that and not yeah. just, oh, I think it's good for the business, let's do it. It's like, well, could be. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, people could crumble under that model. It's like say nothing. But then if you're the right kind of person, that takes responsibility. Yeah, like I'm not going to say all the words I've said today are correct, right? <laughs> that, that's my interpretation of the world and how I see things. Mm. And I'll, I'll happily debate anything that I've said and, and accept to be wrong because you, know, you can't know everything. But still, you can be confident in some of the things you're doing and you can show responsibility. I'm not, you know, I'm not just randomly doing this. I'm doing it because the goal is this and I want to try and do it and I think it's going to affect these metrics. Let's try and do it together. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think, yeah, if you're the sort of leader that takes responsibility and genuinely cares about the outcome, it's genius. I was thinking with your data thing with the video game, if there was a way to 
to take people on an induction where we're doing a personalized uh, so one you're hiring people whose their personal vision fits into yours so just by you succeeding in your vision it's helping them succeed theirs yep and then through that induction process capturing that information and then putting into the metrics or the kpis and seeing how that reflects in terms of their own personal journey. is that possible Anything, <laughs> anything's possible with time right you just got to have the time to pay attention to it like it's, it's hard to measure some things some things are a bit more airy fairy and, and it's my talent actual causation um <laughs> or correlation but uh yeah you can like we help our staff have goals and they're not just oh the x is y goals they're you know they're personal they're hey what do you want to do to personally develop you know, where, what's something you're interested in? If they don't know, we help them find it. And then we measure it. You know, we meet with them every two weeks and reflect on how did you go with your personal development as well as client? What did you get done? Oh, I didn't get anything done because client was busy. Okay, that's fine. This week, next week, no. But, you know, it's that, it's that same process that we use at companies. We use internally with people as well mm. to help them further something. It's smart. There's a book, The E-Myth, might have heard of it but it talks about you should franchise your business even if you're not franchising it yeah. systemize and, and and create processes because i mean a, a lot a lot of businesses are technicians and they're just doing their work and they then they then they expand to a team and they're not too sure how to do it and yeah and they don't have a process to deliver yeah. it consistency and yeah. then they get more stressed and yeah. yeah so another app idea i have is, is you should always know where the task you're doing is in the grand scheme of all tasks that oh, it linked yeah. to so if you could if, you know if someone asked you to do something today or you know that tomorrow you have to do this thing it'd be awesome if you knew if this was five out of a hundred and there are 95 tasks after you waiting for you to be successful so they can be successful or you know knowing how important the thing is you're doing so that you know you're part of the chain of responsibility i think would be amazing if you could somehow visualize that uh, yeah, well, that eighty twenty in life, like you know, twenty percent of your customers provide eighty percent of the revenue. Like, and even just like an example in marketing, they they call it above the fold. Yep. So when people land on a certain page, yeah, we do the same thing with the dashboards. Oh, there you go. They're just gonna most of them just stop there and they make what yeah yep, they first fold. Yep. Yeah. So if you if you're gonna if you're gonna change something, just focus on that. Like yep. focus on the headline and the the creative that yep. leads to making a call. Yeah. Came from the papers, right? The Huh? That came from the old school papers. Old school, <laughs> the papers that people read that are made out of paper. I got it from Alex or Mosey. Maybe he yeah. got it from. Well, the no, papers. it's from because the the headline is the top of the page, mm. and then the first fold is where you literally folded the paper. Ah, oh. okay. Well, yeah. Well, then I learned why. I just listen. Someone's smart. And they tell me things, and I, I believe sort of their character and their description. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah, we did the same thing at dashboard. You showed the most important thing at top, and then if you want to see more, it's the second fold, mm. third fold, a bit more de- level of detail. But you probably won't make it down there. Yeah, or even you give someone a, an update of what you're doing. You know that's why you have those status reports, right? That's just a high level, and that's the first bit, and then drop into the next bit or the TLDR at the top of things. That's the same me- mechanism with the fold. TLDR. Yeah. The too long didn't read. Oh, okay. You know, people put the TLDR, the 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 summary, effectively of of the blog post is is this one paragraph, and mm. if it's too you know if it's too long for you to read, then just read that. Yeah. No. Smart. All right. Well, we're at an hour. So oh, really? Well. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I imagine there's probably some large corporates listening to this. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of people. <laughs> there's about 400,000 a month in terms of like all the socials and stuff. 
So you'd think there's your client on there. So who is your dream client that you could feel like you could add value on? Not specific, but like a genre yep. and then how they might find you. To so be able to we help. don't mind which industry people are in because we don't come with, hey, you're in marketing, I'm tell you how to do marketing better. We come with, hey, you're a company of a certain size that has a problem. We're going to help you use processes and ways of working and data to get better at whatever it is you want to do. So people who are passionate about either changing the way they're working or just want to have more control over what they're doing and more insight so they can make some better decisions and be more purposeful. But it's really, you have to want to do it and you have to have peers who want to do it too because it takes time and you might have to employ some new people in a data and analytics and product management sort of space to be able to look after the things because anything we make is a data product. You can treat that as a website as well. Websites don't come for free. The things behind it, so the same for this, for data, you have to have a team. So it gets to be an expensive game because you do have to employ people. Not saying that you have to employ us forever. We'll help you set it up and you can employ them, but you have to be able to see the long game. So it's not a short game. Um, but yeah, people who want to change and are passionate about seeing more, totally in our wheelhouse um, of different sizes. Um, yeah, we have different engagements, but we we can be found at xsy.co.nz is our website. Um, all over LinkedIn as well. You can you can see many things um, coming up from us. We, we post blog posts as often as we can, just trying to show our thoughts and feelings. Um, we talk about the way we work as a company. Uh, we talk about how we treat our staff as well as how we work with our customers. Um, yeah, it's definitely the place to find us, the website. You can see uh, you know, who we've worked with and what we're doing. Yeah, big names. Big names I saw. Um, all right, well, I'll put that in the description. Nice. Your LinkedIn and your website. And thanks. Oh, thank you. It's great fun. <laughs>